The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. This episode of the Rise and Shine podcast is presented by Bigelow Tea, the number one tea in America. Choose your perfect flavor from over 150 varieties like Earl Grey and green tea. Available at BigelowTea.com, Amazon, or wherever you find your tea. Bigelow Tea. Grab a mug. Tea proudly. Episode 187 of the Rise and Shine podcast presented by Bigelow Tea. And my goodness, we have a legendary Hall of Fame guest today. Literally, NFL Hall of Famer from the NFL on Fox, my guy, the great Howie Long is the featured guest this week on the Rise and Shine podcast presented by Bigelow T. And listen, it is an incredible interview with Howie on what makes the NFL on Fox so incredible. It's just an amazing show with Terry and with Kurtz and with Michael Strahan and Jimmy Johnson and now Gronk. And it's been so incredible for so long. We'll talk to Howie about his Hall of Fame career, about his upbringing about everything that he's done after football, his Radio Shack commercials, everything that he's done with the movies, how to fix the Raiders, the NFC in 2023. It is just an absolutely incredible interview, and you guys are absolutely going to love it. And I'll bring in our executive producer, the great Bob Stew, and Bob's fired up today. He's had his green tea from Bigelow. I'm fired up today. By the way, I am now... All in on the Peak Energy Black Tea. It is so great. I had it when I took Theo to basketball this past week, and it is just outstanding. I am so fired up that I found the Peak Energy Black Tea. I've been having that a lot in the morning. Have the I Love Lemon last night watching Monday Night Football as, you know, we're taping this on a Tuesday. And I was fired up watching Seattle and Drew Locke and how much fun that was. And you got to love sports. Never in a million years did I think Seattle would win the game that way with the ball on the eight-yard line, 92 yards to go. Touchdown to beat Philadelphia. And what a mess for the Philadelphia Eagles. And, Bob, this has been an incredible week in the NFL. Week 15, just amazing. Sensational stories. We have three weeks left in the regular season. And I want to tie in a little bit of everything and get your take, and I'll, I'll follow up. The Adam Shine Super Bowl is back on. When you look at San Francisco and Buffalo, that was my preseason pick. I don't think anyone in the NFC, and I think Dallas the second-best team in the conference, and we saw what Buffalo did to Dallas over the weekend. You know, Philadelphia is, is a hot mess and a dumpster fire right now, and they're broken, and, you know, Nick Sirianni having Matt Patricia, all of a sudden that's going to be the face of success as a defensive coordinator in for Sean Desai calling the plays. 
That was a major act of desperation. You know, the audience knows I've never really bought into Philadelphia. I think they've been a little bit fraudulent. Wins where they survived a couple times against Washington, against Minnesota, against New England to start the season, against the Chiefs, against the Bills. We're back. The Bills destroyed the Dallas Cowboys. I said before the Chiefs game, Buffalo is going to run the table, and they beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead, and they clobbered the hell out of Dallas at home. They have the Chargers. They have the Patriots. You remember, beat them earlier in the season. And then week 18, Miami in Miami. Bob, the Adam Shine Super Bowl officially back on. Yeah, I think you're 100% right, Adam. And you know what the really interesting thing about this season is? You look at the standings. There are so many teams alive still, right? I mean, the NFC is a complete disaster. You have five teams at 7-7. Seven and seven. Any of those teams can make the postseason. In the AFC, you have a ton of teams around 8-6. and six. I mean, look at the AFC South, all tied at the top. I actually think that kind of makes this easy to flesh out, whereas in prior years, sometimes you're going into the playoffs and you say, wow, it's wide open. Any team can win. Look at this, any point. matchup. I don't point. feel that way this year. I honestly think there's only two matchups, and I think the Niners for sure are going to the Super Bowl now, barring a major injury, which, look, could happen. They still have to play another two, three games in the regular season. Anything can happen to any player on any team at any given time, especially this year, Adam. How many star quarterbacks have gotten injured this year? It's a list that we couldn't even complete by the end of the podcast. So many injuries have happened. But the fact is, San Francisco, they don't suffer a major injury. They're, they're going to the Super Bowl. I mean, no one's going to beat them. We've already seen them beat the top two teams and kill them. No, no one's going to even threaten them, right? And then the AFC to me, Adam, it's Buffalo and it's Baltimore, and that's it. I don't see any other team getting past Buffalo and Baltimore in the AFC. I mean, so I think that's what it's going to be. I mean, it, we're going to have a Bills-Niners Super Bowl or Ravens-Niners Super Bowl. I think that this game coming up this weekend, the Niners and the Ravens, I think it's a Super Bowl preview, Adam, and I can't wait for the game. I think it's going to be incredible. And go back to that interview we did with Mike North on the Rise and Shine podcast. We highlighted this. We called it preseason, the signature game of all the primetime games on Christmas night with Baltimore and San Francisco. And, Bob, that could easily be a, a Super Bowl preview. I don't think there's any question about that when you look at it. And Lamar's amazing, and Roquan Smith in that defense, amazing. You know, the Mitchell injury kind of scares me a little bit for Baltimore. And because you couple that with the Dobbins injury and the Andrews injury. Yeah, but that one doesn't worry me as much, Adam, because the Ravens just put any running back in at any time and they're successful, right? And That's I like true. Keaton Mitchell. He added a spark to the offense. They'll just run Lamar more in the playoffs, right? I mean, I, I think the Andrews injury, you hit the nail on the head. That, to me, is a fly in the ointment for Baltimore. Will one. they have enough offensive firepower if they fall down in that big game? Will they be able to come back? I think that's the big question for the Ravens, right? And likely has stepped up, and he's been strong, and give him credit. But again, we're talking about, okay, if it's Buffalo and Baltimore, even in Baltimore for the postseason, yes, I would take the Baltimore. I would take the Buffalo Bills to win that football game. Miami down the stretch, we're going to have to monitor, right? And, you know, they just knocked the hell out of your Jets. I thought that was going to be a competitive game with all the Miami offensive line issues and with Tyree Kill not playing. Miami's schedule down the stretch is basically impossible. And, Bob, I think they're going to lose out. I, I know that game is in Miami against Dallas. The Dallas home road splits are really impossible here in terms of how amazing they are and how they bludgeon everybody. When you look at home games and then road games, I mean, they're under 500. 
But I think Dallas, after that opportunity when Philly lost last night against the, the Seattle Seahawks, I think that they're like the undertaker and they rise up. And all of a sudden, I, I think that you're going to see Dallas have this opportunity here to – I think Dallas, even with the tough schedule, is going to run the table. I think – and I know they just got destroyed against Buffalo. I think that was about the Bills. I think Prescott's going to bounce back brilliantly. They're going to beat the Dolphins in Miami. I'm excited for that game on Fox with our friend Kevin Burkhart calling in. I think you're going to see them beat Detroit on that Saturday night. That's a window of exclusivity. That's going to be fun. You know, in Washington, I mean, Ron Rivera is going to get fired. I mean, that's going to be a 3-2-1 Cancun situation. So I still think the Dallas Cowboys here are going to run the table. And, Bob, I, I know I've called the Dolphins frauds. I really think Miami's going to lose out here with that schedule with Dallas, Baltimore, and the Buffalo Bills. Look, I wouldn't be surprised if they lost out. But I think that the Dallas-Miami game is a massive game because I honestly think it's a take-your-temperature AFC versus NFC, right? These are two of the top teams in their conferences right at the top, both currently two seeds, right? I really need to see which team is better and, and what happens in this game. Say if Miami kills the Cowboys, I think a lot of people are gonna all of a sudden going to have like an AFC bias. The Niners are clearly, they're the top, right? They're just a top-level team. But how good is the NFC? Look what has happened to the Eagles in recent weeks here. I mean, I think people are going to start questioning which conference is better. And I just think the AFC at the top, especially if you're going to include Buffalo in those top teams, I think the AFC is better than the NFC. So I don't think Miami's going to lose to Dallas at home. And the Dolphins are a completely different team at home, at home than on the road, Adam. And Dallas is a bad team on the road. So I think it's a really bad matchup for the Cowboys. I would be incredibly frightened if I was a Cowboys fan. Also, if the Eagles went out, I don't think Dallas wins the division anyway. So even if Dallas ran the table. So, I mean, the Cowboys have a lot to worry about. The last thing they want to be doing, Adam, is going on the road in the playoffs here i think they i mean they have to win out they need a little bit of luck and they have to have home games otherwise i think they're in major trouble here it could come down if both teams dallas and philly run the table to strength of victory because they split the head-to-head so that's something to keep in mind but someone was going to have a hiccup and i don't know if it's going to be the giants and philly has you know tommy cutlet say a couple of times schedule for philly is simple down the stretch dallas it's very difficult you know, I do think, and this has Coach of the Year vibes, but a couple of teams that I think can can really shock the world in the playoffs. And when I say shock the world, I mean win a road playoff game. You know I, I love the Rams. And right now, Sean McVay is my leader in the clubhouse for the Coach of the Year. And I told everybody on the Rise and Shine podcast when the over-unders came out, bet the house on the over for the Rams. I, I hope you did that. that. That already hid. Stafford and Cup and company in the playoffs, I think they can win a road game, whether that's in Philly or whether that's in Detroit. Stafford and Detroit would be wild for the NFL. And how about Cleveland? I mean, they're on their fourth quarterback. It's Joe Flacco. What year is this, Bob? Kevin Stefanski has done a brilliant job coaching these Browns. Yeah, I think you nailed it on Sean McVay, Adam. I I was not really much of a believer in the Rams because of the defense. Now, as soon as I saw Matthew Stafford come out the way he did early in the season, you had to think that the Rams could be a playoff team. I still think his performance against Baltimore was one of the best of any quarterback all season. I mean, he went into Baltimore. He went shot for shot with Lamar. He He had four touchdowns. He was unbelievable in that game. And I think the Rams are dangerous because of Stafford. I think you're right. But they still have to get in. And again, five teams in the NFC are 7-7, seven and seven, Adam. I don't even know who's going to make the playoffs at this point. I got to give the Browns a ton of credit, too. I just thought with the way the offense played with P.J. Walker after Deshaun got hurt, I thought they were dead. You have to give the Browns credit, right? 
I mean, we talk about it on the show all the time. We've been killing the Jets literally since week one to bring in a quarterback. They stuck with Zach Wilson. Give the Browns credit. They didn't just keep rolling out the same bad quarterback. They tried DTR. It didn't work. They went to Walker. It didn't work. They signed Flacco. That's a good organization. That, they had a plan, Adam. They had a plan. They weren't just going to settle for a quarterback to throw the season yeah. away like the Jets did. Joe Flacco looks like Joe Flacco in Baltimore. I never thought I'd be able to say that. He's playing really well. And with that defense, I don't think anybody wants to play the Browns. I, I would be... I mean, that's got to be the last team you want to play, aside from, obviously, Buffalo, because Buffalo's offense is arguably probably the second best in the league after San Francisco. Nobody wants to play Cleveland in the playoffs. That defense will travel. That game will be ugly, and anything can happen. So I think you nailed it with Stefanski and McVay, Adam. They're definitely two of the top guys for Coach of the Year in the NFL. I think you're nailing it here. And the final story I want to hit in the intro to the pod, Bob, we did it. We had another victory for Daily Fantasy in our DraftKings League, and I am so excited. I won by .5 points. 177.52 beat the next team that 177 points flat. Stafford and Cooper Cup, what a stack. McCaffrey had 44.7. Let James Cook, baby. I loved him. Couldn't believe a lot of other people didn't start him. I had 39.1. Debo had 21.9. Isaiah Likely, our guy, had 18. And even the bottom feeders didn't drag me down. Jets only had two. Hyatt had zero. And that Parker Washington catch at the end of the Jags loss <laughs> to the Ravens won me the, the week. 5.2 points. Bob Stew, I, I I can't stop riding this high. I am so fired up after winning Daily Fantasy. Anytime you win with a zero, Adam, you should party like it's 1999. I mean, that was that was an incredible victory. I thought your lineup was excellent. I really thought you did a great job. Playing all those Niners was a really smart idea. And I'm I'm one of those people, when I play DraftKings, I don't really like to play three plus players on the same team because there's one football you only one player can score a touchdown at a time right adam so i like to split the difference i like to play different players on different teams and you can always stack the quarterback with a guy you think is going to go crazy but your strategy has really paid off lately starting debo starting mccaffrey is just brilliant that worked yep. out that worked out great Maybe I should have taken your advice and done that as opposed to played playing Bijan Robinson. Oh God! Thanks, <laughs> I ended Arthur up, yeah. Smith. Oh my gosh, Adam! I ended up in eighth place. I had an excellent week. I had 150 points. I, I had yeah. a great week. Great week, except for the fact that you know I played Bijan Robinson. So yeah, I, listen, I, I regretted uh, in the San Francisco Philly week. I, I had Brock. I had Ayuk. I had McCaffrey. I decided not to play Debo that week, and I played four Niners, which is unheard of. I learned my lesson. I'll never do that again. Bob is still in first in our league. 25 dudes in town. He's the 25th, not in our town, but they invited him in because he's the critically acclaimed, incredible producer of, of the radio show Shine on Sports and the Rise and Shine podcast presented by Bigelow. And Bob's kicking ass, taking names, but, you know, I'll take it. My second victory. First one was luck. We talked about it on the pod. This one, oh, baby, that's going to be a high all week long. Howie Long, featured guest on the Rise and Shine podcast presented by Bigelow. Howie joins us next. ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play. Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? 
or see what life's like under the tree of life. Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. Not all tea bags are created equally, and the Bigelow difference is in the details, because tea is all they do. The 100% family-owned Bigelow tea is now the number one tea in America, producing over 2 billion bags in the United States each year. Whether hot or ice, Bigelow tea takes pride in crafting the best cup of tea possible, from the hand-picked teas to the carefully selected ingredients, all protected in a foil pouch. They've created over 150 healthy and delicious varieties to meet all your needs. From mint medley to lemon ginger plus probiotics to their original constant comments. Don't settle for mediocre. Bigelow ensures you get the absolute perfect cup of tea every single time. Have your favorite flavor by your side as you cheer on your team this season. When I'm watching sports, I always have a cup or two or three of Bigelow tea. I'm obsessed with the I Love Lemon, the orange and spice. And at night, I love watching sports and having a blackberry citrus herbal tea. Plus zinc. It's unbelievable. In the morning as you download the Rise and Shine podcast, have the classic Bigelow green tea. It is absolutely delicious. Find your favorite flavor at BigelowTea.com, Amazon, or anywhere you find tea. Bigelow Tea. Do what I do. Grab a mug. Tea proudly. Feature guest this week on the Rise and Shine podcast, Hall of Famer from the NFL on Fox, my guy Howie Long, who's nice enough to give us a few minutes. Howie, it's great to see you. Good to see you, Adam. It is so great to have you on the podcast. And listen... I spend every single Sunday and so much time during the week with your son, Kyle. And, you know, I, I love Kyle. He's he's like a brother to me. So I said, he loves, gotta he, get- he loves you. He loves you, Adam. Trust me. He is. He is the absolute best. Lights up. He called room. me love- three times. He called me three times and said, you know, hey, remember, you've got <laughs> you've got to do Adam's podcast at two o'clock. And he called today and my wife and I were sitting there kind of shaking our heads. Wait a second. 
Kyle is reminding me to do something. (laughs) (laughs) See, that's that's love. That's loyalty. That's a role reversal. I love every second of that. Yeah. And, you know, we always talk and I always love because when he he when he refers to you, it's dad. Dad, this I talked to Dad. I talked. It's it's just the the appreciation, the love, the respect that he has for you and your career too is is amazing. And that's where I want to start, Howie. You're what you've done on the Fox pregame show. It's it's amazing, and the show is incredible. The chemistry is amazing. Your preparation that goes into it. You guys have done it at such a high level for so long. What's the secret sauce to that show? Well, I think out of the box, you know, it was interesting because, you know, it's 30 years now. Uh, I just said it. It's 30 years. I mean, what a number. What a run. Right. And Terry and I have been together 30 years. And, you know, we we couldn't be any different. You know, I mean, Steeler, Raider, quarterback, defensive end, you know, Boston, Catholic, Baptist, Louisiana, you know. (laughs) <laughs> you 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 name it. We're we're different. Um, but for whatever reason, and I think you know, there has to be a kind of a, a desire to, you know, it's like a marriage. You have to try to really work it at, you know, cultivating the relationship and sustaining it. And I think we caught lightning in a bottle out of the box, but you think back to where TV was 30 years ago. And no show had ever been done that was more than a half hour long. You guys do four hours. It's crazy. You yeah. guys do four hours. I'm like, how fried must you be on Sunday night? <clears throat> but when they said we were going to do an hour long show, people said, well, what, what in God's name could you do <laughs> with an hour? You know, an hour goes by in the blink of an eye with commercials and, you know, there's some interview pieces and, and all that, but I think David Hill's vision and Ed Gorin, um, and back then it was Scotty Ackerson who came from ESPN. Uh, the vision was to do something that was less kind of structured. It's you than you than you than you, and more kind of fun. You know, I, I listen. We watch your show. You know, I, I sit in the production room in our in our we call it the avocado room. I, everything in LA is different. You know, it's the avocado room. So <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, and you know, your your show's up there in the corner on the big screen. You know, because they our gal Kira make sure that I, I I at least get to see it. I'm not hearing it because we're in a production meeting. And uh, you know, just an, the ironic thing is here you guys are with. Uh, I think it was chicken wing hats on. Oh my! And I, and I think you opted out of that. I can't mess around with the hair, Howie. I, it's, right, I'll do right, anything well, that's know, fun and dopey. I can't mess around with the hair. But you know, you I I think you have to have fun because by the time you come on on Sunday now in today's market, yep, there's a thousand shows that have been on and everyone's broken down the X's and O's and the film and, you know, this and that. I, I think you do a lot of it on your show, which, which I think is, is fun. Nobody ever, you know, says at the supermarket or, you know, at the airport, you know, Hey, that, that point you made about, you know, when they roll safety up and they, they bring the slot corner, you know, 
nobody ever talks about that. What they talk about are the relationships, uh, the camaraderie, uh, the fun, the laughter. Uh, and, you know, we've been fortunate that everyone has a reason to kind of peacock up, you know, on that show. Um, you know, it's, there's a lot of Super Bowls, a lot of Hall of Famers and, you know, and, um, I think everyone is committed to, you know, nobody's looking to lift themselves up at someone else's expense. <clears throat> and I think we laugh from, you know, we get to work at five 30 in the morning and, uh, we're, we're there till five in the afternoon, uh, eight on the East coast. And, uh, we laugh all day and we have fun and we genuinely like to be around one another. And our text chain is stupid. You know, it's, it, <laughs> you know what it is, it's, you know what it is uh, doing a football pregame show, like on your show or our show, it's perpetual adolescence. Is yes. What it is. Yes. What a and great you have way to, to find a way to entertain people. And, you know, here we are, there's an 80 year old guy, a 75 year old guy. I'm 63. You know, Michael's in his, you know, low 50s uh, and Kurt, you know, who, uh, you know, I have so much respect for, you know, the role that you have and the role that he has is a very unique role because you, you know, you've got to make a choice on whether you're Magic Johnson or you're or you're, you know, Steph Curry. Um, and when you have good people around you. Uh, I think, you know, being more magic than Steph and you know, listen, it's not, I, everyone loves Steph, <clears throat> but, you know, that that position is, is a distributor and Kurt does a great job of it. And uh, we're very fortunate. And, and I don't think in 30 years I've ever been told what to say. Mm. Uh, you know, there's a lot of freedom there in what you do. And there's a lot of trust. And when you do things, you know, off the cuff and impromptu, when you react genuinely to something that Terry does, because we're not, we're not an over-rehearsed show at all. We don't rehearse a lot. So <clears throat> I think it's, it's unique. I, do I ever think, God, it will never happen again. 30 years, it'll, it'll never happen again. I mean, there's just no way it can happen. I mean, the old Brent Musburger, you know, CBS show, you know, I think was kind of the, you know, from a longevity standpoint, success standpoint was the, the litmus test and you know we you know we've gone beyond that now it's kind of amazing and i love the way you phrase it i even love what you said about you know magic johnson steph curry and you're right in terms of being a host and you know the text chains I mean, i can relate to all that i said this to kyle recently and i kind of want to get your take on this your preparation you know because you're right the world has changed you have all these daily shows and podcasts and tv shows <laughs> and radio shows it's changed over the last 30 years but you have this knack, Howie, on a Sunday, your football knowledge, your breakdown. You know, you have something that other people don't during the week. What do you do during the week in terms of your preparation? Because even on a show that is so much fun and it's jovial, your knowledge of everything going on in the NFL, the NFC, the Big Fox games, it pours through. What's your week like? You know, I, I one thing I do is I try to keep an open mind and and I, I don't think, <clears throat> you know, whether I like someone that I'm covering or talking about or not, I, I'd like to think that you you would never know which direction I'm in. Yeah, um, I think you have to be you have to be that way. I, I've always said to Kyle, you have to separate church and state. Um, 
you have to kind of, you know, you're looking at, you know, game film, you're looking at TV coverage, you're, you're watching interviews. And, you know, I, I watch a lot of content during the week, uh, watch games. Um, and I get perspectives and I like people, you know, I don't necessarily have to agree with someone all the time, but I, I think if you're thought provoking, if you're giving me an, well, okay, that's another way to look at it. I hadn't thought of that. <clears throat> and by the time I, I get to Saturday night, uh, I take a lot of notes. I do a lot of highlighting, you know, I write in the margins and then I, you know, kind of pare it down once we've established, you know, I'm talking, you know, Dallas offense or Michael's talking, you know, Pittsburgh's defense, whatever, whatever the, you know, the content is. Um, you've got to pare it down and, you know, you have a four hour show. So our format is it's condensed. Yeah. So, you know, you've got 20 seconds to get your point across. You've got to have a beginning, a middle and an end. Uh, you're, you're trying to give a perspective that might be unique to the 1000 perspectives that have been given throughout the course of the week online or on cable or on, you know, satellite, whatever. Uh, and you know, I try to kind of look at it from my viewpoint and and give maybe the audience something else to kind of, you know, well, there's another way to think about it. And your viewpoint is one of a Hall of Famer and just an incredible Raider legend. And, you know, I'm 46, so my first real football memory was John Riggins in the Super Bowl. So oh, you're... Boy. I mean, yeah, that was that was my football memory. I know. John, I was like, John, I got... John was John was a load. A load. Uh, I, I hit mean, John. <clears throat> I hit John once. I, I think it was a jet rip blue slash. I slanted inside, and it was an off tackle play, the opposite side. Uh, and I hit him right in the thigh, and everything went whoosh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I've seen John. John looks good. Um, you know, you run into those guys. That was a great rivalry. Yeah. Uh, you know, they were that offense that we played earlier in the year. We it was interesting because I think we lost forty two thirty eight or something like that up in Washington. Yeah. And <clears throat> ironically, I had a bunch of sacks, and you know, we lost. So it, it it make it's of no consequence to anyone. But ironically enough, we the play that kind of beat us late was a screen pass to Joe Washington backed up. Now fast forward to the Super Bowl and, you know, backed up second and long. We, you know, Matt Millen, who's 260 pounds, can't cover you or me. Uh, you know, great run player and great, great teammate. Uh, we replaced him with a, a guy from, I think he went to Illinois and, you know, what nobody really knew about, Jack Squire. Jack Squire, we run a jet rip blue slash. I slant inside. Ted Hendricks comes off the corner and his safety comes off the corner. And Joe gets pressured and Joe has to back up and throw off his back foot. And uh, Jack Squire's job was to spy or ghost or whatever the term you want to use. Joe Washington and the catch and catch and run and it's a touchdown and game over. Uh, but they were a great team. And that team scored. I think they set a record for scoring that lasted from 1983 to the Randy Moss, Chris Carter Viking team that almost went to the Super Bowl, which is mm. pretty amazing. That that I watched them on film. I remember getting ready for the games, you know, and I'm like, oh my God, 
Yeah. How do we stop this? Uh, and, you know, we had those two corners and <clears throat> Lester and Mike Haynes. And, you know, they, uh, they, they were guys that really didn't need to get in the huddle because we were playing some form of man coverage. It was one or three. And, you know, it, 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 you know, those guys were just, you know, and, and Lester was funny because he'd tell Ted and me, uh, seven, five, you, you play the run. <laughs> <laughs> Howie, what was thing. it like? What was it like being a Raider under Al Davis? I mean, those teams, you know, swashbuckling, kick ass, take names. You know, my, my dad was always obsessed with Al Davis you know, Jewish yeah. guy from Brooklyn and, you know, his style Syracuse. and every, as Syracuse, uh, literally took the words out of my Brooklyn, mouth. Brooklyn, right, I think. A, hun, bro, a Brooklyn guy, a Syracuse guy, yeah. just obsessed. Like, we grew up as Giants fans, but there was something in our house about the Raiders. What was it like being a Raider during that era playing for Al Davis? Well, I think, you know, the reason why your dad was probably a, a fan was, you know, that late game that came to the East Coast yep. uh, was more often than not, you know, a Raider game. Um, and Al was, he was omnipresent. Um, he was a brilliant football mind. Um you know, coached the Raiders, and people don't realize this. He was, I think he was the maybe the commissioner of the AFL and <clears throat> coached in the AFL and then coached the Raiders to the single biggest turnaround in, in league history at that point. Uh, and then, you know, obviously turned over the reins and started running the football team. Uh, could draw up any offense you were seeing, any defense you were seeing, you know, new football inside and out he was um I, I think it was an environment where we were an island onto ourselves and you know the building the structure the fences were you know kind of a metaphor for the whole you know <laughs> philosophy of the team there, there was us and there's us and there's them and no one no one gets in the building no one's on the field no one's so the distractions or lack thereof were were a real comfort to the team and the players because <clears throat> we just didn't give access. Nobody was there. And, you know, in those days you had two, three cameras and ESPN, you know, initially was a kind of a, they were doing tractor pulls at 10 PM and, right, you know, right. on TV and, and mud races and, <clears throat> and, you know, they've evolved into the kind of mega, you know, kind of deal that they are, but he was, Benevolent, brilliant, tyrannical, uh, held grudges, um, uh, was someone who had a vision for players. There was a type, you know, and it was a lot like the Giants in that sense, where, you know, Bill Parcells in that group, it was quarterback is this, you know, big, tough Phil Sims, you know, it's the offensive line looks like this. Our defensive front, our three look just like this. It's Marshall. It's, you know, you figure it out. Tough, tough, tough. The linebackers are 250, 245, 260. And, you know, obviously Lawrence Taylor is, is the bell cow of that. Um, the Raiders had, you know, big, strong, fast. And, you know, my senior year at Villanova, I, I, I was asleep in my room, uh, 
you know, because I wasn't really a go out guy. <clears throat> and uh, someone got beat up down, you know, heading towards Philly and a couple of teammates and a few teammates and they got robbed and, you know, they come knocking on my door and, you know, you're a young guy, you know, I put on my boots and I go down there and, you know, there's cops there and get arrested and um, end up getting suspended one or two games. And uh, they end up dropping the program at the end of the season. Uh, <clears throat> and I, I actually think that me getting into that kind of scuffle uh, helped uh, with them making wow. the decision to pick the second round because you know, Earl it's Leggett. It's a character type. Yeah, Earl I love Leggett. that. Earl, Earl Leggett was Michael Strahan's defensive line coach, too. <clears throat> and both of us, both second round guys, both small school guys, both started playing football late in their life. Um, and uh, he took us from the ground up and he told both of us the same thing. You know, if you work as hard as you can, you do what I tell you to do. Uh, I'll make you a household name in every home in America and I'll make you mm. wealthy beyond your dreams. And, you know, we both, you know, talk about that frequently and reflect on that. And uh, if I don't go to the Raiders and, you know, I'm, I'm not in an organization that was patient when they drafted me in the second round, I, you know, my wife and I can't really remember where we were, you know, I mean, it was like, we didn't, I wasn't expecting to be drafted in the second round. <clears throat> and, you know, I looked up Oakland on the map. I've never been west of, you know, West Virginia. We played there my freshman year. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, I bought a used Coupe de Ville. I was making $38,000. My check was $1,007 after taxes. And I was on top of the world. You know, I was up in Oakland. And, you know, you you look around you and you you don't have to look far for, you know, what greatness looks like. You know, you've got Al Davis, you've got Ron Wolf as the GM, you've got, you know, uh, Art Shell, Gene Upshaw, Cliff Branch, uh, Lyle Alzado, Ted Hendricks, you know, it, it, Mark Van Egan, it, it goes on and on and on. <clears throat> so, and I think the philosophy there was the older guys, and I've always kind of done this, and I did it when I played, and I, I certainly do it, try to do it now as a broadcaster whenever I have the opportunity is, you know, you, it's your job to kind of bring the young guys along. And, you know, certainly Art and Gene uh, and Ted Hendricks were impactful in, in the early part of my career. Howie, how would you characterize your childhood? And you, you talk about, you know, Villanova in the end and you're beyond mm -hmm. your wildest dreams and you're drafted by the Raiders and you're on top of the world. You can't even remember the phone call. I, I love that. Your childhood, how it shaped you, and, and when you kind of realized, you know, football can can be my my outs. Football can be my sport, my passion. I mean, I know you didn't start playing until pretty late in in your life, all things considered. How did your childhood shape you? And when did you start to have that first football dream, if you will? Um, I you know, I I think it's it's a it's a different childhood. Uh, you know, not one that's, I think, foreign to sports like football and boxing or, you know, you figure out, you know, most most folks are, you know, come from modest backgrounds who are hungry and, you know, which makes Kyle and Chris kind of an anomaly. Um, I didn't play growing. I didn't play organized sports until, you know, it was ironic because. My dad left when I was young. 
um, had some issues. He was a <clears throat> he was an orphan from birth to 18 years old. He was six seven, 250, 252, whatever. You know, probably would have been a professional athlete, but never had the opportunity. And you know, ended up working in the projects and uh, working at Hood's Milk there across the across the highway, Rutherford Avenue. Uh, I mean, I grew up maybe. 80 feet from the L train, you know, mm. and, you know, it was a neighborhood that was tough. Um, uh, that was, you know, and, and people from there had a, a, a kind of a loyalty to it, Charlestown, uh, Massachusetts. And, and my, so I think it was my sophomore year, uh, real early in my sophomore year, the desegregation and the busing riots happened in Boston. And my grandmother at that point was bringing me up. I was living with my grandmother, my uncle Mike, and my aunt Edie, and uh, was in a row home there in uh, Charlestown. And <clears throat> my one uncle, Billy, who was the first kind of relative to make it out of the neighborhood. He had two kids, two adopted kids, my aunt Ada and uncle Billy. And uh, my grandmother asked him to take me in, and uh, which was... A, a, a tremendous, when you think about it, here's a guy who's working in the projects. He's driving a Maverick with, you know, a hole in the passenger side, the size of a basketball on the floor. He's driving in the snow from Milford, Massachusetts and out by Foxborough. And uh, he takes in, you know, they're barely making ends meet. He takes in a, a troubled 13 year old. Uh Walking down the hallway, a coach by the name of Dick Corbin, who ended up coaching at Harvard under Joe Rustic Sr., uh, <clears throat> sees me and uh, asks me if I want to play football. And, you know, I don't know a thing about, you know, we played in the street. I played hockey, basketball, baseball, but it was all on blacktop and, mm -hmm. and you know, school parking lots in the street and, uh, you know, figured out how to put the equipment on and I was terrible and, but I was, you know, it was like a horse, a, a young horse, just, you know, that popped out of its mama and, you know, you know, kind of gangly and, you know, six, I was golly, six, five, my senior year, 222. And, you know, a lot of it was, we were, we, you know, I, I'm not embarrassed to say this because it was, it was kind of the reality of the time that, you know, you had to, you had to kind of cut corners, you know, with, we ate dinner, we ate, you know, we, we had a good meal, but uh, once that was done, the kitchen was shut down. I got to Villanova that summer and uh, got a meal card and, a, and uh, a, a room and started to lift weights. And I went from 222 to, I opened up a camp at 263. Wow. And, you know, just, you know, I was a big person waiting to happen. And again, I really wasn't a, a very good football player. And I think what Villanova did, it challenged me academically. It challenged me socially. It challenged me financially. Um, I went there and I never left. I was there for, um, you know, the fall. I was there for Thanksgiving. I was there for Christmas. I was there for spring break. I was there for summer for four years. I'm fortunate enough to meet my wife there, who is a classics major. I wasn't a classics major. Um, and, uh, you know, had a great experience there. And it gave me the opportunity. I'm like, <clears throat> you know, if I had gone to Boston College, which, you know, was the other school that offered me a scholarship, my grandmother wanted me to get out of the neighborhood, which turned out to be, you know, prophetic. You know, I mean, I think uh, it allowed me the opportunity to grow up 
and mature both physically and mentally at a, at a pace that was right for me. And, uh, you know, Earl Leggett came up and worked me out and, you know, I worked out for golly, I worked out for 35, you know, people have pro days. Mm-hmm. Uh, I worked out 35, 40 times. Wow. Uh, I worked out in the snow and the rain, you know, one scout knocked on my door of my dorm. I worked out on the front lawn. I ran a 40 in sneakers, you know, I mean, he was just checking a box and I, and I get it, you know, no one's thinking that I'm going to, you know, I, I get a call late, someone ironically enough, because the connection with the blue gray game was Joe Restick, who ended up going to Notre Dame and captain Notre Dame. His dad was the coach at Harvard. He was on the blue gray selection committee. My head coach from high school went to Harvard and coached there for a number of years, Dick Corbin. And, you know, I get this call that, uh, you know, there, a guy went down or whatever, and they need a, a guy to fill in and, and I go down to Alabama and, you know, there's this guy from uh, Oklahoma State who's coaching the North team. His name's Jimmy Johnson. And uh, I end up winning MVP. And, you know, the rest kind of just snowballed. Um, you know, it, it, everyone takes a different path. Um, I, I, I try not to dwell on, you know, the whole kind of, you know, childhood thing because I had such great extended family you know it's the classic irish kind of catholic um you know my grandmother was a saint my uncles were uh, amazing and uh my aunts were amazing and you know i had i had good family it's an amazing story an amazing path and just perseverance personified and i love that about villanova i didn't realize that you stayed there never left and and what never left for you i had the clothes on my back adam I had no checking account. I had no driver's license. <clears throat> I had nothing and, you know, never got any money. Um, and obviously there weren't a lot of payout. What, what, what's the acronym for getting yeah, money? The NIL. No NIL at Villanova yeah, they, then. <laughs> <laughs> there was no, no legal NIL. or illegal I, NIL. I worked, at, uh, I worked at Kelly's Bar down in Bryn Mawr. Uh, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't an executive there. I was at the door. Uh, so, you know, you, you, you learn how to kind of deal with people uh, yeah. at the door. Uh, it's interesting. 100%. Never had to knock anybody out of the door. No, no. I mean, that, that would have been knocking someone out of the door. That, that would be, that's a whole different level without question. How about yeah. watching Chris and watching Kyle play in the NFL? What was that like for you, especially doing what you do for a living and, you know, both were drafted in the NFC in the conference and then seeing both of them not only have great, long, sustained careers, but go into, like you, sports media. I, you know, I, you, you certainly don't think that way when they're growing up. Um, you know, Chris was kind of a nerd uh, as a kid growing up. Kyle was a softie. You know, he was a sweetheart of a kid. Um, the best athlete in the family might have been Howie. And, That's you know, Howie, always said says, many, yeah. Howie has said many times that, you know, I missed the genetic lottery, you know, because <laughs> Howie's six feet above 80, you know. And, <clears throat> you know, here Kyle and Kyle and Howie are, and, you know, they're kind of Irish twins because they're, you know, 12 months apart. Uh, and, you know, here's Kyle and here's Howie. And Howie's kind of the manager. You know, how he's the, the, the guy that's making all the deals and, you know, uh, kind of getting them in trouble and, you know, 
whatever. But Howie, Howie always, Howie and Kyle were very close and growing up. And I, you know, I didn't think football. Matter of fact, I kind of unconsciously kind of pushed Kyle towards baseball to a certain extent. Part of that was, you know, by the time I was done, I think I had eight or nine surgeries and, you know, you know, you kind of think to yourself, well, if you've got a better option, could you play golf or could you do something like baseball where you don't get hit? Um, and, you know, Kyle was Kyle's greatest gift, I think, in many ways was, you know, kind of a burden or could be a burden because he was so good at everything. You know, mm -hmm. he he threw 96 in high school. He he hit a ball in the state championship game that went over a water tower in Virginia. I remember it was like 520 feet. It was in My two backyards goodness. past the fence. I love um, hearing this because Kyle knows how much I love baseball. And there's, I feel like for his baseball career, like in high school and when he went to Florida State at first, it's like a Paul Bunyan quotient to it. Like he, he it was really, almost he easy. Really, he really was because the ir the irony of it was <clears throat> you take all that into account, but here's this guy who's 290, you know, 285, and he's stealing 25 bases. You, it was just, <laughs> it, it, you know, Chris and I have always, and, and Howie, we've always laughed, you know, it, and I, like I said, when things come that easily to you, you know, Chris was very talented and obviously the number two pick in the draft and, uh, I think he was fifth or sixth in the Heisman voting. And, you know, he, he, but Chris was, Chris is like, I never had to ask Chris, did you work out? You know, he was five o'clock at night getting his second workout in Montana, running up the driveway. You know, I mean, you know, he was just that kind of guy. Kyle was a roll out of bed guy, you know, where he could roll out of bed and, you know, bring me the guy that benches 500 pounds and I'll throw him on the ground. Um, did I, did I, you know, did I, Chris will tell you, you know, I mean, early on when you don't quite know when he's a sophomore and he's 230 pounds and, you know, you, what are you going to be? You're going to be 255. You're going to be 270. Are you going to be 6'4"? You know, what are you going to be? Kyle was 290, you know, his junior year, you know, so he might've been the best offensive lineman in, 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 I think in, in the country and was, you know, a potential high draft pick in baseball. Um, I think trying to marry the two where you go from 275 to 295 and your fastball goes from 96 to 92 because the lack of elasticity in your arm. Um, I knew he could play offensive line. He took the Lewis and Clark route to get there. Mm -hmm. I, I will say that. And, you know, there were a lot of sleepless nights and he's, you know, he is, it's an anomaly. You just can't take that path. You can't play six games in college and be drafted the first round and be all pro first three years. It just, you just can't do that. And, and Chris was a guy who knew right away. I said, I want to play division one football. I want to play defensive end and, you know, I, I, I you know, I want to play in the NFL <clears throat> and it, it was surreal because you'd walk into the stadium 
towards the end of his junior year and you know half the stadium had 91 jerseys on and mm. you know he was you know diane came home one day and said you know from the grocery store and said you think i gave birth to the baby jesus <laughs> I mean, my God. i mean it's it's a it's a little it's, you know chris has always been the guy that you know he called me two years into the league and said you know what's my legacy you know, I mean, if I died tomorrow, what impact would I have had on the world? And I'm like, you're 23. <laughs> what are you talking about? You know, That's crazy. He's building 60 wells and 62 wells in East Africa and, you know, raising money and, you know, doing all those things. And, you know, for the two of them to be drafted in the first round and be a part of that and be able to watch that and cover it, you know, ironically enough, before he went to New England, uh he was dipping his toe in free agency and uh because he moved on from st louis and he had he had to make a decision you know where do i go it was you know this team this team this team this team one of the teams was atlanta and one of the teams new england because i'm think I'm, I'm doing the i said you know i can't help you with your geometry but i can certainly help you you know with the football part of it and was fortunate enough to coach for eight years in high school, you know, and, and be a part of that. Um, but I said, you know, listen, Patriots have been to what? Nine AFC championship games. Mm -hmm. They've been to five Super Bowls. You know, it's Bill Belichick, you know, trying to talk him into that. He had taken a, he had been, been in contact with Atlanta and really liked, you know, Dan Quinn and really liked what they were doing down there. And I didn't, you know, I don't make that decision for him, for him. He makes that decision for himself. But here we are covering the Super Bowl. Fast forward to the end of that year. We're covering the Super Bowl. And we've got New England and Atlanta in the Super Bowl. And I've kind of, you know, pushed Chris towards New England and Bill Belichick <clears throat> and Tom Brady. And... uh all of a sudden they're down 28 to three in the third quarter. And I'm the worst dad. I, I swear to God, I'm, I'm standing on the sideline. Terry, Terry knows. Cause I, when I get quiet, it's, you know, I'm either mad or I'm, I'm sad. It's one of the two. And, uh, and Terry said, little buddy, don't worry about it. Tom's going to throw the ball all over the place. And it's going to be the best comeback in, in Super Bowl history. I'm like, wow. It's like, you know, he's a savant. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I don't know what that locker room was like at halftime when you're down like that and, you know, the way the game ended and, you know, just the whole family being together, Meg and, you know, Waylon and, you know, Di and we had Di on the set. We had Chris on the set, which is just, you know, it, it's mind boggling. And then we go back to the hotel and, you know, room service wasn't working, but we we were able to get them to give us some burgers in the front lobby and we all sat there and it was family and friends. And mm. I go back up to the room and they were replaying uh, the game on, on TV, on NFL network. And, and I watched every play and it, it was like, I, it was almost like I, I wanted to reassure myself that it wasn't a dream, that it, it's real. And Chris is a world champion and all that comes with that. And he's, he's a guy that just works so hard um and has done all things the right way and uh you know for him and and then for them to get into media i think you know i wasn't sure what direction that would go in um i i knew they both 
you know, were, were very capable of doing it. I, you'd see that in interviews while they were playing. Uh, and uh, they both have unique, as, as they do in life, they're, they're uniquely different to one another, but they're similar to one another in, in, in a lot of senses. <clears throat> but Kyle is, Kyle is, you know, uh, uh, it's, it's the, what's the Tasmanian devil, you know, and, and. Oh yeah. And, that's uh, a great way cartoons. to describe it. You know, he just, it's, he's coming 110%. He's enthusiastic. He's, he can make fun of himself. He's, you know, great personality. And Chris is, and you know, it's a combination of, you know, they're, they're all combinations of, you know, us to a certain extent. And there's a serious side to me, obviously. And, you know, there's a fun side. And I think they both got a little bit of, of, of each. And Chris is so, you want to talk about someone who works and prepares and, you know, he can sit down, you know, it's like, I, I see a show like Colin Cowherd's show and you got to talk for two, three hours. Mm -hmm. You're just talking. You're yep. just, you're just, you've got to be so well prepared and, and so smart. And Chris is, Chris is that guy. He's, he's really a, a unique guy. So they have uniquely different styles. Kyle will just make you laugh and, you know, and, and, in the laughter, there'll be a, you know, a kind of a, <clears throat> an interesting point, you know, regarding whatever he's talking about. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's amazing. And I gave me the chills telling that story about Chris and winning the championship and Terry and down 28-3 and the family after. All right. If you're at the grocery store and someone recognizes you and it's not from the Raiders or not from Fox, is it Broken Arrow? Is it Radio Shack? Is it Chevrolet? Is it the Bud Bowl? Is it Firestorm? <laughs> For me, Howie, it's always going to be Radio Shack, first and foremost. What's that, what's that old crunch, crunch course? Oh, yes. What was I've that? Heard, I've heard that, you know, where they had, you know, five <laughs> right. defenders who were just, you know, would kill people. And, you know, they, they'd play highlights. I've heard that. I've heard, you know, <clears throat> obviously and with Chevy and Skechers and, you know, uh, Radio Shack. Everyone thought I was married to Terry Hatcher. I did. Um, yeah, my kids, you know, they, they were going to have T-shirts made up. Uh, my mom is not Terry Hatcher. You know, right? <laughs> um, and, you know, I'd be standing there with my wife and I'm holding her hand at a football game. And someone would say, hey, I love those commercials you do with your wife. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, it's there's they listen. It's been it's 40 three years of NFL. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, I've been fortunate enough to have a number of, you know, strong corporate relationships over that period of time and, you know, done some, you know, really fun stuff. And, um, you know, was with Chevy for a number of years and, you know, was with Radio Shack for a number of years and we shot, I think, 140 commercials. Um, and, you know, Skechers now is a great partnership and, you know, it's it's fun, you know, I, I, and I I I kind of think it's ironic that in a day and age where, you know, you got to be you got to have a, a TikTok and Facebook and <laughs> you know and all that stuff. And 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 I don't have any of it. Uh, I you know, I I continue to kind of defy the odds and, you know, survive. Yeah, more than survive.
Howie, you are the absolute best. I, I'm I'm thrilled that we got to do this for for 40 minutes and appreciate the time. And working with Kyle is is amazing. And watching you for 30 years on Fox, I mean, I've learned so much about football and the business and continued success on everything. Merry Christmas to you and your family. And we'll talk to you again real soon. What's what's the term? Is it Mensch? That's Mensch. that's you. That's oh, you. I appreciate that. Uh, Kyle, Kyle speaks very highly of you and uh, your kind of uh, uh, mentorship uh, and, you know, kind of looking out for him is is much appreciated here in the long household. No, oh, that means the world. And like I said, he he's the best. He's a great friend. He lights up the room. He's the ultimate teammate. And he's he's already a star and he's going to be a, a superstar in this business for a very long. Yeah. Time. You know, I think I think we're partial. We think so. But, you know, once again, thank you. And thank you for having me on. It was nice talking with you. Howie, you're the best. Thank you to our presenting sponsor, Bigelow Tea. With over 150 varieties, it's no wonder Bigelow Tea is America's number one tea. Find your favorite flavor at BigelowTea.com, Amazon, or anywhere you find tea. Bigelow Tea. Grab a mug. Tea proudly. Sirius XM Podcasts. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions.